as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of the universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome to this episode of DC On Screen. I'm your host, David C. Robertson. This uh, my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. And uh, Batman the Animated Series turned 25 this month, which makes me feel ridiculously old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there for the first run. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the very least, I would tape it because it came on too early on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our listeners, Nathan Wobblyboots85 on Twitter, suggested we do an episode like this. And, of, of course, Scott over on Twitter of the Suicide Squad cast egged us on. We are going to do top ten favorite Batman the Animated Series episodes um, including in the, uh, sorry, included in this list is the Batman, uh, sorry, the new Batman adventures, uh, not included are the incontinuity films, Batman, the mask of the phantasm, Batman and Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero, or, and not that it would be there anyway, mystery of the Batwoman. Right. <laughs> it, that was never in contention. No, no, that was actually, I just thought about it as I was, I was writing down that intro. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, just so you guys know, I have uh, synopses for the top ten episodes, and I got them right off of Wikipedia and altered them not one bit. There you go. Full transparency on that. I didn't have time for all that. Uh, now I'm I went through probably the entirety of the episode guides. Like I know I did. The I know not being probably totally went through the entirety of these episode guides, mm-hmm. and I I wrote down about forty. That were my absolute favorites out of 109 episodes. <laughs> and I systematically weeded weeded episodes out until I got down to about 20. And then split those into top 10 and honorable mentions. And it was hard, man. Like, I, it, was a, it, was, it was a journey wrought with tears. Mm-hmm. Just uh, remembering certain bits. Uh, thinking about, like, eh, well, this animation... You know, sometimes... The animation being worse really was the defining factor. Oh, that, that, um, yeah, that can happen. Yeah, sometimes it was, you know, something as as uh, small as the third act just didn't really live up to what I felt like it should have, and it got it got knocked into the honorable mentions. It was it was a cutthroat thing. This and you know, obviously, this is all subjective, and um, I don't think you you necessarily have a top ten. No, though. Not, not. So this was mostly just mine, really. But <laughs> I, it, we um, we've talked about our top ten on several occasions, but it's been more rambling than anything else. Yeah, and it's easy to I throw don't think in it's a top ever been ten. Formalized into a top ten, it's just been a us talking about it. But also uh, thinking about doing a top ten, I uh, or ten favorite is probably really the best term. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't. I don't know if there's a way to do it incorrectly. Like, like I said, you had 40 episodes, yeah. and if you had picked any 10 of those episodes at random, I might have looked at the top quarter of it and thought, "Yeah, that sounds great." <laughs> yeah, this was it, like it, a lot of them resonate so deeply that it's just uh, hard to believe any of them aren't 
the best sometimes. Yeah. I, and I, I know it's a very Homer kind of uh, kind of attitude, but it's still that's how it is. Yeah, it's uh, it was a little gut churning for me. It was hard to pull those out. Some of these, like some of the honorable mentions, stayed in the top ten till like the last minute. Mm-hmm. Where I was sitting there going like, oh god, what do I choose? What do I choose? How do I? And it just come down to something really just minuscule. Like, well, this wouldn't be a great episode except for the fact that this was there. And uh, you'll understand a little bit more, I think, when we get into that, because uh, we will have a. We do, I am going to mention the top ten honorable mentions because I just feel like I have to, even though I won't really go into the. Probably won't go into as deep, <laughs> as deeply as I do the others. Sure. Um. But you know me, I'm sick. I'm <laughs> sick, Jason. <laughs> this is a good sickness to have. I guess so. Um, I, you know, it should be noted though. I also looked at like a lot of um, other top ten lists. Like after I made my list, I looked at a lot of other top ten lists online. You know, like the Go Mojo or whatever the hell that's called. A couple, a lot of, a lot of different ones. And uh, there were some that were just like obvious that like people like automatically put on there. And then there are others that I'm just like, wow, how could they have not put that on there? Why would they have chosen this? And then, you know, obviously others where I was just like, well, that makes sense but because it's set of precedence, but it's not going on my list. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, also, if That's I happen good, to cry, forgive me. Because talking oh, I, about some of this stuff, sometimes I get a little... <laughs> yeah. I, I think anyone that's that's really invested in this... Uh list is is gonna fill you on that one yeah i mean batman the animated series like while the 89 batman movie was my first real introduction to the character um batman the animated series came to inform so much of what i love about batman and you know even if it wasn't the first to do something in in a lot of ways it perfected it so you know yes i can enjoy the dark knight returns but i'm still gonna go yeah but <laughs> that's fine. That's good. That's that's a really cool take. But uh... yeah, I mean, overall, the this the series kind of it struck this wonderful tone where it it took itself seriously in a way that I don't think many things have since. Honestly, <clears throat> mm-hmm. even even uh, the the darker versions of these things that get a lot of discredit for for going so dark. Um, I mean, especially like. Uh, the the Nolan version even got some credit for going dark. I don't think it necessarily went any more dark than BTAS did. It didn't. I don't think it did. There's, uh, it it went a little darker with. Here I'm just taking shots, but it went dark. It went dark with like Bruce Wayne's commitment to being Batman. But other than that, it it just <clears throat> yeah, it didn't go nearly as far as this tiny animated series that meant so much did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyone uh, who doesn't want to stick it out uh, necessarily, if you want to make sure that I'm not crazy or something before we start on this thing, uh, let me just assure you, Prophecy of Doom is not on this list, nor is I've Got Batman in My Basement or Tiger Tiger. So, <laughs> Or um, that one where Killer Croc and Babyface are in love. You know what? Hey, baby Doll, but yeah. Baby Doll, thank you. Oh, Babyface is the giant Brave and the Bull thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, the baby doll was in the top 40. I, she annoyed me, but that bit at the end, where the she bit sees herself end, in the mirror, oh, man. That that part's like, rough. But, that's, that's touching. But her thing with Killer Croc was just all kinds of weird. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a different episode. I know. So, I mean, you know. Uh, love me a croc the, or something. I, I forget what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> love be a croc. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. 
<laughs> man, all right, so okay, you're not getting oh, any of know. that. Just hang in there. Yeah, so don't worry about all that. And, you know, as as per usual with DC on screen, you can expect some diversions. But uh, I guess we'll start off on number 10. Ooh, starting at the bottom of the list. Yeah. No, these are in order. I actually, I actually toiled on this. These, the top <laughs> I know, ten are I know in, order. in order. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to be like 10. the show that starts at number one and goes down, just increasing the uh, the, the lack of care of anyone who's listening the entire time? <laughs> we could be yeah, groundbreaking. I thought, I thought we would change, you know, just for this one episode. We just change a format that exists for an entire for for perfectly good reason. Yeah. For no reason. All right, go ahead. I mean, usually we start the show in about num- minute number 10, and we're still talking about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> people are like, oh, they're not going to get to DC. But no, here we go. Number 10, The Man Who Killed Batman. Fantastic. Uh, this was uh, written by Paul Dini, directed by Bruce Tim. Get used to those names, because that's inadvertently wound up being like, because I actually couldn't remember who all wrote everything. I looked it up. I went to the Batman, uh, the DCAU uh, Wikia, um, and kind of grabbed some facts and stuff that I thought was interesting about the shows, including the writers and the directors. And a lot of the ones that I uh, chose were pretty much Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, or at the very least, Paul Dini. Yeah. Uh, so when small time gang member Sidney the Squid Debris. Uh, seemingly kills Batman by accident. He gets involved with gangs all over Gotham, as well as the Joker and Rupert Thorne, none of whom believe his story about everything that is happening is by preposterous happenstance. Uh, This is a delightful episode, and it's one of those episodes for me where it's like, I kind of feel myself a little in there, where it's like, you know, I've always said, you know, I don't understand when people are like, oh, I don't relate to this superhero because he isn't whatever I am. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've just been like, I don't care, whatever, is superhero. I don't relate to him anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm a schlub. But, you know, this is one of those episodes where the where the ordinary mixes with the extraordinary. And um, this little, as Joker might put it, this little, this weaselly little gunsel, mm-hmm. uh inadvertently stumbles upon off in the bat or so he thinks. And, um, I just adore this episode. Um, and it's all so farcical. It's all so ridiculous. No one believes him. <laughs> and <laughs> I love that you see like the heartbreak from Bullock. You see the heartbreak of Joker. Yeah. The episode makes you feel bad for the Joker losing his, his hated enemy. Yeah. It actually um, does before he says who's dude, for Chinese. <laughs> yeah um lest you forget and also one of my favorite um one of my favorite lines from i've got quotes some quotes written down here too one of my favorite lines from the series that i always remember is bullock talking to harleen quinzel posing as a lawyer for sid Mm -hmm. bullock says hey don't i know you and harley goes i believe i served you a subpoena once right it was a it was a small subpoena (laughs) it was a small subpoena (laughs) I remember that. It actually it has a great visual gag, uh-huh. where uh, there's it, there's like a brawl that breaks out after you know they're they're celebrating uh, Sid's achievement, and then the, the the tough guy comes up and is like, well, I could beat the tough guy in Gotham anyway. So it starts a whole fight in the bar, and then the police come up, and that's how part of the episode develops. 
But part of it is like the guy who runs this bar is so used to criminal activity that while everyone's fighting and destroying everything in the entire bar, he's just eating peanuts the entire time. Yeah. Just like eating one peanut after another. And then one guy falls kind of in his area and he just like uh-huh. lightly shoves the bowl of peanuts on top of the guy's head and you hear, ow! You know? Yeah. Good visual gag. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that made me laugh. <laughs> um, it's a, a simple thing, stuff. but it. It worked. Absolutely. A lot of great stuff from Joker in this episode. Uh, a lot of great uh, quotes. A lot of uh, a really good performance by Hamill, as, as usual. But I feel like he really he really brought it this episode. Um, where they're robbing the bank, and he's like, where is he? He's never been this late before. Mm-hmm. There's a certain rhythm to these things. And he even kind of almost get, uh, gets close to breaking the fourth wall. I cause trouble, he shows up, we have some laugh, and the game starts all over again. Right. Only now, thanks to you. I've got this terrible feeling that he's really not coming. Yeah. You know, it's just like he's so uh, sad. Followed, followed by like Harley coming out <laughs> with probably a million dollars worth of stuff on her arms and, and head. Yeah. Uh, jewelry. And um, him just, put it back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's without what, Batman, without Batman, crime has no punchline, Joker says. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Oh, that That should it's be. great. Honestly, anyone who's writing the Joker, has written the Joker, will write the Joker, should mm-hmm. have, have had, or should have, that line on their board. Like, every time they walk into the room, and, and that's a part of their character, uh-huh. that, uh huh. That, that should be there. I personally think the storyboards, because I've got that book, Batman Animated, it's a fantastic book. If you haven't read it, you should go to Amazon right now. It's called Batman Animated. Mm-hmm. And they have the storyboards for the funeral sequence where Joker is giving the eulogy, mm. and like they have like all of the pertinent uh, mannerisms and just the just the pertinent bits for like for emphasis of the of the uh, eulogy underneath the st- it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, anyone writing the Joker or drawing the Joker should just have that photocopied and pasted to their wall. <laughs> and yeah. by the way, this is going to be a long episode anyway, probably. So I won't get into the eulogy, but the eulogy is fantastic. Um, no, the eulogy. Uh, there aren't a lot of. There's not a lot of uh, monologue in BTAS. I think overall, it, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty back and forth kind of series. That was a great one, though. If they only did it rarely, they did it extremely well there. Yeah, yeah. and it's still it is still cut back and forth, like a bunch of confused henchmen and Harley crying. Like overcrying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harley's great. You know what's great about you putting you really put the fun in funeral. <laughs> yeah. And then he just smiles and like touches her cheek and walks off. Yeah. Uh this is like two hours after he's threatened domestic violence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh there's a great bit with uh Rupert Thorne where he's talking to Sid and uh Thorne says, so the famous Sid the Squid is nothing but a pathetic victim of circumstance. Just how stupid do you think I am? Mm. Excuse me? You think I didn't hear the rumors of the third-rate stubble bum who rubbed out the Batman? And now you say you accidentally made a fool of the Joker? Nobody's that lucky or stupid. Yes, I am. Honest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love this episode so much. Um, even down to the, um, to the organ playing the Batman theme when Batman actually shows up to save Sydney from Thorn. Yeah. Um, sure, I'll get you out of Gotham, Sydney in a pine box. I love Rupert Thorne, too. He'll, he's a recurring pop-up in, in my top ten. 
You, you um, do love Rupert. I don't know why. I just do. Just a well-done gangster mob boss kind of thing. Yeah, but I like that Sid is even so likable in this episode that even Batman is like, yeah, you're a criminal piece of shit, but I don't know. I'm going to make you feel good. He hey, actually, man. That was one of the funniest parts to me. Is like It's it's <laughs> at once a very Batman and very not Batman thing to do. Was He sets him up. He, he really does set him up well. Yeah. Like, sends him to prison with... Um, you know the the dictate of the man who took down Batman for a second, and you know he he can take the hit. Who cares? But yeah. Sid, this idiot who had bad intentions for life, gets to you know he gets a happy ending. It shouldn't be that way in theory, but whatever. Mm-hmm. He was harmless. Yeah, figuratively and, and literally. Like, that's how he's. Everyone's cheering him on in the prison, and he's like a big shot at last. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. great. Yeah, like All you're right. happy for him, and then if you overthink it, you're like, oh fuck that guy. He was anyway. <laughs> all right we need to get to number nine uh this is one that i've never seen on any top 10 list i am the knight mm-hmm. uh written by michael reeves directed by boyd kirkland on the anniversary of the death of bruce's parents batman accompanies leslie Tompkins to crime alley to place roses on the spot where they were gunned down meanwhile commissioner gordon is on stakeout to arrest jimmy the jazz man peak during a drug smuggling ring batman had promised to be there but arrives late to find a gun battle going on he helps defeat the gangsters and arrests the jazz man but at a high cost gordon is severely wounded the incident traumatizes batman and he contemplates giving up his crime fighting career despite the jazz man escaping prison to carry out his personal vendetta against gordon who had sent who had sent him to prison six years earlier um i love that this shows a war weary batman wondering if he's done any good yeah that was good um it's a mature thing a very mature thing to show and also something any Batman fan should probably consider if taking the subject matter literally. Yeah, vigilantism um, in general, you've got to wonder, you know, how much effect do you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I love that it illustrates how important Jim Gordon is to Batman. Yeah. And, uh, and to Bullock. Oh, yeah. No, they they both, um, they have this un- uncharacteristically large gaping mouth when they find out about Gordon. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they look like jack-o'-lanterns frankly. Yeah. And of course it makes Bullock angry at Batman and blame him. Yeah, sure. Um, if you had been there, and it, you know. it further establishes mortality in a fantastical kids show. I will always appreciate that. That is nice. Um, one of the reasons this is one of my favorites is just, is this, uh, line, Leslie telling Batman in crime alley, um, T- Santa Yana says those who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Batman says he also said a fan, a fanatic is someone who redoubles his efforts while losing sight of his goal. Yeah. What the hell is that doing in a kid's show? I don't know, but it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. And then later, like the the same two flowers he puts down get crushed. Uh huh. And he's just horrified. I mean, yeah, horrified. It's 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 a rough episode. Like, it, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that people followed it. it, it like, uh, I, you know, I mean, this show was generally made for what, like nine year olds, ten year olds. That was yeah, theoretically I mean, the demographic. It's amazing. I think it was made but, for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know about anybody else. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> I care what uh, age you a are. Bit where, there's a bit where Batman says uh, of Gordon, he's a friend, more than a friend. Jim Gordon's the same age my father would be if he hadn't, and he like chokes up and trails off. Mm. Now he's hanging by a thread. Oh my gosh. It's just so good. It's so good uh, yeah. and gordon tells him at the end when gordon wakes up he's they've caught the jazz man he tells him in the hospital you got to keep fighting never stop what i try to live by maybe if i'd been younger i could have been like you oh that Always was wanted a, to be that a was hero. haunting 
Always wanted to be a hero, and Batman says you are a hero, Jim. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. And it's so just absurdly true. Like, and there's that, that great. Oh, sorry. That's the. Go ahead. It, it's one of the best <laughs> versions of what they respect and love about each other. Is like Gordon wishes he could do what Batman can do, and then Batman like wishes he could be the hero that Gordon is. Like he wishes yeah. he didn't have to be two people sometimes, and that's clear. I think yeah. in that episode, but. But, you know, Bruce and Batman are, it's a dichotomy that has to be there. And Gordon respects the hell out of that. And, and like, it, everyone has this grass is greener kind of respect. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't actually write down this quote because I thought it was too long. But there's this great quote where um, Batman is talking to Dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a long quote. And he says, there's a bit where he says, um, they sell t-shirts of me. Maybe I'm better for the tourist trade or something. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean the, the a lot of the turnaround on that episode hinges on uh, Bruce coming back and you know in full get up and saying this is my fight or it's my hunt I think yeah 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 man fantastic episode also a, a good example of like kind of a little later in the run after Robin's established enough that he can push Bruce a little bit mm-hmm oh and here's another bit that you know I uh, Barbara, this is her first appearance from Heart of Steel, uh, or since that episode. But mm-hmm. um, the, all this talk of hero being a hero and shit, like, don't tell me that's not coming, to, that's not seeping into Barbara's brain. Yeah, as she's like seeing like who her dad is, how much he means to someone like Batman. Yeah, and how absolutely. much someone like Batman means to her dad. Like that's got to be having an effect. These are, uh, I'm sorry, Batman and Harley Quinn was garbage, but they were good once. actually neither of these cats wrote that uh, wrote that terrible movie so um (laughs) that is that is accurate so yeah all right number eight joker's favor written by paul dini directed by boyd kirkland after a man named Charlie Collins curses at the Joker on the road for offensive driving, the clown prince of crime corners him and intimidates him into doing him a small favor. Two years pass, and the Joker finally decides how to use Charlie to sneak a bomb into the into the Peregrinators Club. I don't know how to say that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, where <laughs> Commissioner Gordon is to give a speech at an award ceremony. Charlie, who merely has to open the door, is skeptical at first, but for the sake of his family, he reluctantly decides to obey. Um... <sighs> This should go without saying, but fantastic score for this episode. Shirley Walker, uh, always fantastic. But uh, this is probably one of those scores that I remember in my day-to-day life all the time. Like, I always remember it. Um, It's a romp. It's the first appearance of Harley Quinn. It's, um, once again, and that's something thematic for my favorites is the ordinary crossing paths with the extraordinary charlie collins is a schlub an ordinary guy um and i always sort of enjoy that seeing seeing how the ordinary people uh see batman see the joker and, oh, yeah. and all of these like larger than life uh characters it's probably um, the best example of that is uh, uh, like this guy just he i mean he cuts off the joker in traffic yeah, and his life goes to hell <laughs> immediately after it. Yeah, there's your two cents. Is one of my favorite lines of the entire series. Now, what were you going to do to me? Right. Uh, 
And then other stuff where he's just he's just fucking with him later, like, oh, uh, you didn't think I'd lose track of you, that kind of stuff. No, yeah, this is one of... The, you're my favorite hobby, Chuck. Yeah. yeah, the Joker is dangerous. We get a real sense of that here. And, um, and like you said, the average s- person like sees that sees the Joker and just a chill goes down their spine. Yeah. And oh this my guy God, has got people... I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy has got like... Joker's got people watching this guy's family yeah. in case he doesn't do what he wants. You he know? has an entire dossier of him. Um, an up- updated dossier of this guy at yeah. every turn. But is and while it's creepy and you get the sense that Joker is such a, a deeply disturbed dangerous individual um which is something that i don't think we've ever seen in a in an animated version of the joker before um it's so funny he's so funny no it's it's just jumping jiminy christmas charlie collins it's been forever yeah how are you man he's absolutely charming lost a little weight lost a little hair too yeah (laughs) i see you changed your name right you didn't think that would be a problem did you yeah, um, it's fantastic, and I, has one of the best. Uh, God, as far as the the nuanced relationship between Batman and Joker, uh, that ending mm. is is fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that Charlie. Like because we start off with the episode with like Charlie resenting the cops, he resents Batman, he resents the Joker, he resents all these people for pushing him out of the way. Yeah, it's a know. bunch of people that have power that he doesn't. Um, and then he loses it. Like, like Joker promises to send him home, but not alive, as Joker points out. And um, and Charlie freaking loses it, man. Yeah, oh, um, he, it's uh, like for him, it's like he gets sucked up into this vacuum of of uh, supernatural, and just by the end of it, I, he he comes to fuck it, Phil. Yeah. Um, I love his speech at the end. Uh, Joker tells him, you miserable little nobody, if I get caught, your wife and son are history. Charlie says, you're not getting caught. Not this time. Shows him the bomb. <laughs> I found this blown out of the van. This is how it ends, Joker. No big schemes. No grand fight to the finish with a dark night. Tomorrow, all the papers will say is, the great Joker was found blown to bits in an alley alongside a miserable little nobody. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny. Ironic, really. See? I can destroy a man's dreams, too. And that's really the only dream you've got, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It, that is it's, fantastic. Ed Begley Jr., by the way, doing that voice, doing Charlie Collins. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And a great glimpse of, like, the Joker getting to look in a mirror mm-hmm. and see the absolute most mundane, horrifying thing you could possibly see. Yeah. Joker even says, stop, you're crazy. And Charlie goes, I had a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Say goodnight, Gracie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great episode. And it actually makes Batman laugh. Yeah, you get an actual uh, chuckle out of the Dark Knight. Fantastic. Fantastic episode. And a great... Uh, <laughs> even even knocking it out of the part with Harley, where um, after Joker leaves him stuck to the, the handle, he says, guess I'll have to find a new hobby now that old Charlie Collins is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Harley goes, macrame's nice. <laughs> Oh, gosh. She's come a right. long way. <laughs> Number seven. And I'm I'm counting two-parters as one episode here. Two-Face. I, I can't not. I can't not do this one. It's written by Alan Burnett. Part one was, uh, the teleplay was uh, Randy Rogel, uh, directed by Kevin 
Altieri, I guess? Mm, sure. Altieri, I think well, yeah. I've heard that said. All right. We'll go with that. Yeah, why not? Uh, mobster Rupert Thorne attempts to use Harvey Dent's secret split personality to blackmail him. But when Dent meets with Thorne at a chemical plant, big bad Harv takes over, and the resulting confrontation leads to an explosion that horribly scars half of Dent's face. Harvey Dent, now calling himself Two-Face, resurfaces and starts robbing Rupert Thorne's illegal businesses, preparing for a final confrontation with the, with the crime boss. And Batman must stop his former friend before he and Thorne kill each other. Dude, it's just a fantastic turn of character for Harvey Dent, who up until that point had really been shown to be like this, you know, pretty, a pretty great uh, district attorney, aside from, you know, little foreshadowings that he was flip, you know, flipping coins in the light, and you can only see half his face and stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they let up a little bit, but still, like, Bruce and Harvey yeah, yeah. obviously had a very chummy relationship. It's actually the only relationship in the show mm-hmm. that Bruce Wayne enjoys, I think. Yeah, it's that his best he doesn't friend. have some like responsibility toward, or like he, like you can tell he values his relationship with Alfred and and Robin, but mm-hmm. or Dick, but he uh, he obviously like has some responsibility there, and like anytime you put anything on Bruce's shoulders, you can see it in the show; it weighs him down. This is like yeah. the one relationship I remember out of the show where he just has a friend, and that's cool, and there's really nothing there. Yeah, and then even that turns on him. Yeah, it does. Uh... Grace and Harvey make me cry, man. Yeah. It is so ridiculously sad. Yeah. Um, and and Bruce, the way he equates the loss of his best friend with the loss of his parents and that he couldn't save either one of them is just... It's rough. It's, it's, it's hard, man. It's really rough. Um, one one quote from this, ep- from this episode that's always haunted me is just stays in my head all the time. It's Rupert Thorne saying, All men have something to hide. The brighter the picture, the darker the negative. Oh. It's a great quote. Well said. Um, and, of course, one of my favorites. So what do you say, Harvey? Do we have a deal? There's just one problem. What's that? You're talking to the wrong Harvey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Oh, man. Um, and there's a great Two-Face quote. This is my world now, a dichotomy of order and chaos, just like me. Again, that's one of those... That's one of those... How is that in a children's TV show? But it's fin- it's fantastic. I, I don't know either. It's just fantastic. I just I want to set like the all the Arrowverse writers down and say this is what you do. <laughs> this show was done for ten year olds. <laughs> you're shooting you for eighteen show? to forty nine, and you're dumbing it down. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Please, no more exposition. Yeah. Um, now let's let's yeah, give them I, the credit. They've gotten a little better. Eh, a little bit. They have. That last season was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I just said Arrowverse in general. I didn't want to. I didn't want to call out any specific show. Oh, sorry. I thought you just said Arrowverse yeah. for a second there. No, no, no. Arrowverse. Uh, right now, I'm really mainly thinking about Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. Mm, I see. Those are the worst at doing it right now. I would say. But anyway, we'll see. Upcoming season. Anyway, uh, number six shouldn't be. Uh, you should have known this was going to be on the list. If you didn't, excuse me. Uh, Heart of Ice, written by Paul Dini, directed by Bruce Tim. Bitter scientist uh, Victor Freeze attacks several divisions of Goth Corp, each time stealing a piece for a secret weapon he intends to build. Batman investigates the connections and discovers that the start of Freeze's vendetta against Goth Corp was a bitter falling out between Freeze and Goth Corp CEO Ferris Boyle, as played by Mark Hamill, before he ever played the Joker. Mm. During which Boyle almost kills Freeze, and presumably kills... Uh, 
Nora, a Batman must find a way to bring Boyle to justice before Freeze carries out his revenge. So, this is actually the first one written by Paul Dini, first one directed by Bruce Timm. Uh, Ferris Boyle was Mark Hamill. That, that's enough for it to be on the list. That's, I mean, that's a lot back end, at least. <laughs> but it'd be really difficult to find a top ten that doesn't have Heart of Ice on it. Dude, I mean, it's such a, it's a simple story, but it's, it's, it's impactful. It changed the way that everyone saw Mr. Freeze. Before this episode, he was just, you know, secondhand villain in a, in the comic books. Yeah. No one gave a shit about. Uh, he was an absolute nobody. He was an E-lister. I mean, no one... They had even killed him off. <laughs> I don't doubt like, it. Like, they, they killed him off in, like, three panels. In uh, the miniseries Robin 2, back in, like, 91, Joker comes back to take back his gang, and Mr. Freeze is like, the gang is mine now, and Joker, like, shakes his hand and electrocutes him and basically just kills him. Yeah. Makes a few ice puns and walks away. And Leaves then- him to die. Dini came in a couple months later and went, eh, I have a better idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some of the quotes in this episode really hit home. Like, just, just it's, it's a fantastic, uh, I feel like it's a fantastic execution of of emotion and of sadness. And just, um, just I, I get all choked up thinking mm-hmm. about all this stuff. A uh, great quote, Mr. Freeze says, Humanity, compassion, charity, where were those pretty words when she needed to hear them? Just, ah, oh, man. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, and delivered by the tears. best monotone. Yeah. Oh. Um, Batman watches the tape of what happened to, to Freeze and his wife, you know, and he goes, my God. And Freeze goes, yes, it would move me to tears if I still had tears to shed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, stuff like this, like, think of it, Batman, to never again walk on a summer's day with a hot wind in your face and a warm hand to hold. Oh, yes, I'd kill for that. Dude, like, how? Like, he's he's <laughs> he's about to freeze and kill Boyle, Ferris Boyle. Mm-hmm. And Boyle says, stop, please, I beg you. You beg? In my nightmares, I see my Nora from behind the glass, begging to me with frozen eyes. How I've longed to see that look frozen on you. Mm-hmm. Ah. And then even Batman is disgusted by Ferris Boyle. Like, leaves him half frozen. Says, good night, humanitarian. <laughs> good luck, you sick fuck. That's... <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the, the closing monologue from Freeze, as he talks to talks to Nora, I failed you. I wish there were another way for me to say it, but I cannot. I can only beg your forgiveness and pray you hear me somehow. Someplace. Someplace where a warm hand waits for mine. Ah, oh, man. How do you not cry about that? Yeah, it's rough. That is... The only thing that I hate about this episode He's got is, the snow globe with the little dancer while he does it. Yeah. The only thing that... It almost knocked it out, but it just couldn't. I had to have it in the top ten. Uh... Batman, the way Batman defeats Freeze in this thing. <laughs> Do you remember it? No. I remember the emotion, and I remember some well, weeping. But, yeah. But well, I, because I Batman Batman was frozen, he was trapped in some ice earlier in the episode, and he got a cold. And Batman says, if you're going to go sneaking around in a crowded, a crowded office building, you'll need this. Knockout gas. Chicken soup. The only way to fight a cold. <laughs> mm. 
And that's how he, he he hits Freeze in the head with this like thermos full of chicken soup. Of course. <laughs> that Alfred gave him. That was like the big weak point of the episode. Yeah, I remember that but now. That is lame. Even but... that's even that's kind of is kind of charming. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Uh on to number five, Robin's Reckoning. Written by Randy Rogel, directed by Dick Sebast. Um, during a fight with some gangsters at a construction yard, Batman and Robin learn their na- the name of their boss, Billy Marin. While Robin looks forward to, co- to going up against Marin, Batman becomes distant. And after a falling out of the Batcave, Batman doesn't allow Robin to accompany him on the search for Marin. Robin investigates in the Batcomputer and soon realizes that Billy Marin is not the boss's real name. Rather, it is an alias of Tony Zuko, the man who killed his parents, which Batman already knew but chose not to tell Robin. Angered by Batman's deceit, Robin sets out to find Tony Zuko on his own. All the while plagued by the memories of his parents' death and how Bruce took him in as his own son. Eventually, Batman manages to find Zuko at an old amusement park but breaks his leg during the fight. Robin finally arrives and prepares to kill Zuko in revenge. Um, this is the first big throwdown between Batman and Dick. Mm-hmm. As far as I can tell. Um, and this is something, this is, these, this episode raises issues that follow through the rest of the series, the rest of the continuity. Um, they, they come to an end peaceably at the end of this, but you know, the way Batman handles Dick, the way that sounds awful, the way Batman talks to (laughs) Dick and treats him (laughs) and the way, you know, Dick sort of overreacts to these things is, you know, a big wave, waving red flag that their relationship is, is, is not all that it should be. Yeah. No, um, it kind of like starts, uh, it starts a pattern where, like, I think you can sum up Nightwing's character in a lot of ways as, uh, fuck you, old man, I know what's best for me. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a point to some degree. Like, at, at parts of this episode, Robin does seem like he is a spoiled kid. But sure. at the same time, in this episode, you know, he's... Where Batman's like, there are times where I, I can't explain my actions even... He's yeah, 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 even to me. Uh, yeah, that worked. That line worked great when I was six. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was. Um, no, it wasn't six, but it was, you know, in sixth grade. That's what it was. Yeah, okay. Um, he, he he does need to do... And, you know, it's a, it's a fine point that Batman makes at the end. You know, I didn't... I wasn't worried about what you would do to Zuko. I just couldn't stand the thought of him taking you as well. Um, yeah, that's a good... That's great, eh, but, you know... It's a good emotional turnaround. <laughs> Yeah. Um, plus, they had that badass part where Robin skids on his bike and is totally like from Akira. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I found out that Bruce Tim apparently cries about this every time, and so do I. The scene, the flashback scene where Dick says goodbye to all of his circus friends before going to Wayne Manor. Uh, so yeah, that always like I think it's the elephant. The elephant gets me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, I can see it. Great quotes. Great, great quotes in the episode. Um, Batman tells uh, Zuko's uncle, Arnie Stromwell, if you protect him, Stromwell, I'll be very grumpy. You don't want to see me grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A great line from the the flashback. Sorry. Batman says, I was so close, Alfred. I could smell his sweat. From now on, Tony Zuko gets my undivided attention. And Alfred says, How fortunate for Zuko. 
because there's a little boy up there who's just aching for some of that attention. Oh, that was rough. Yeah, I'm doing this for him. I'm sure revenge can be deliciously sweet. However, at the moment, he needs a friend. Isn't that what you needed, sir? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn you, Alfred. Damn you and your fills. <laughs> and then subsequently, when Bruce goes to talk to him, and he's they're looking at the um, the picture of Bruce's parents, he says, you keep thinking, if only I'd done something differently. If only I could have warned them. But there isn't anything you could have done. There isn't anything either of us could have done. And Dick goes, your mom and dad? Does the hurt ever go away? And Bruce says, I wish I could say yes, but it'll get better in time. Ah. Yeah. Man, I love this show. <laughs> and, you know, also Zuko at, <laughs> at the at the docks or whatever, he's like, I'm not back in town. Five minutes. Five minutes and he's on my tail. You don't know the bat. He don't let up. He's a dark angel of death, man, and he wants me. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> oh, this is a good show. It's a good episode. Again, Dark Angel of Death for a kid show. Jesus. <laughs> He's a Dark Angel of Death, man. I, I really think a, a, what is now a quarter of a century ago, I think people had more faith in children's ability to watch things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For better or worse. Not all. Yeah. Like th- I think this show is probably a better. There's definitely some worse out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, number four on the list, Over the Edge. I think this is my only, the only episode from the new Batman Adventures that's on the list. Um, written by Paul Dini. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Directed by Yuichiro uh, Yano. Uh, during a fight with the Scarecrow, Batgirl is ambushed on a rooftop and falls to her death. Having watched his daughter's demise, Jim Gordon blames Batman for her fate and vows revenge, recruiting Bane in the process. Uh, this episode is really cool because even even though it's not real, it's a it's a fun what if, and you know it's a twist at the end. Which you know, if, if, if I kind of you know if you watch the Batman Beyond at the same time or whatever, you know that you know she's not dead. But yeah, and it's, it's a cool what it if. It is an annoying twist because it's an episode that doesn't actually happen. Yeah, but it is. And believe me, that was almost enough to keep it out of the top ten. I I think it's um. I, I, it is always annoying to do the like the Bob Newhart thing, but yeah, it's also um, or the Newhart thing, I should say. So yeah, 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 it's that's annoying or the Dallas thing. Yeah, <laughs> but it it kind of did it well enough, and it it never apologized for it, and it only did it once. It just did one little "what if this happened" kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's some other there's some other versions of elseworld kind of tales on this show but this was yeah the one time where i think they committed to the premise outright went for it and we uh we had to buy it and then deal with it deal with it well twist. i appreciated i appreciated being able to see what you know at least a version of what could go down and no but no one knows commissioner gordon as well as his daughter does yeah so well, just that was maybe that's probably the other part of why it works is it just it does it goes so far you're so wrapped up in the episode, and these things are like 21 minutes long when you really watch them. You're so mm-hmm. wrapped up for a good 18 minutes that I don't, I don't think yeah. it really occurs to you to be annoyed. Or uh, I, 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 every time I've watched it, I've I, I know what the ending is, but I'm still so wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great. Uh, there's a great. Uh, well, okay. Just Gordon coming after after Wayne. 
acknowledging that he's always known who Batman was. Sure. Which is crazy. And obviously, just that was in Barbara's head. But um, we have the bit where... He, but it's still, uh, it's a Montoya very distracting start. says you have the right to remain silent to Nightwing. The episode. And he goes, waved. Um, <laughs> I, there's, I, the, that's what I'm saying, is there's part of you that should be thinking, oh, this is going to be fake. But if you just watch it, yeah. it's distracting enough for 20 minutes, and that's all it requires, yeah. that you, you don't care. Yeah, I mean, it's... But, I mean, Batman stops killing people. I mean, he starts killing people. Like, he decides mm-hmm. that it's fine. Because there's no there's no point in stopping now. He's wanted. He's right. You know. He's a fugitive. Who the hell cares anymore? He's a fugitive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bane. Man, this line is one of the reasons I love it so much. Bane says, "I'm pleased you remember me, Mister Wayne. You can't believe how I've looked forward to this. Though I was hoping for more of a fight, but what could I expect from a killer of children? Mm. Damn. That's rough. It's just great. Uh, so." The the dream ends the 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 dream ends and we get uh, Barbara deciding that she has to tell her dad about her double life and we get this and this is the other reason this is one of the other big reasons this is part of my favorites we have Gordon sit down and says sweetheart you're capable of making your own decisions you don't need me to approve or even acknowledge them and in this case I can't all you need to know is I love you all of you and that's all I have to say on this subject. I, I always cry when he says that shit. Oh yeah, because it's like he, it's like yeah, I know you're a Batgirl, dude. What do you think? I'm, just, I'm just, I'm a cop. Come on, I'm Commissioner Gordon. Obviously, I know. Of course, I know. Yeah, I, I know who Bruce Wayne is. I know who you are. That's it's maybe the I, best part is uh, it hints early on that I've always known, and then later it comes back and uh, just uh, mentions it again. It's yeah, it's it's a fantastic like Gordon is completely cognizant the entire time yeah and it, they don't address course, it much. Seen- like they, they talk about <laughs> several times they talk about maybe he knows uh, but it's this time yeah. it's like no seriously he he's the best cop in gotham yeah of course you know i've heard some people say that this might you know he maybe he wasn't thinking about batgirl maybe this was him saying that he he's kind of okay with bruce slipping her the pickle no you know <laughs> is that post killing joke <laughs> no, no, that was in that was in the animated in, series. In the original like, run, yeah. They because remember in um they're not in the actual show, but in Batman Beyond, um, it comes out that uh, Barbara and Bruce had a yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, yeah. around the no, time they, of the new Batman Adventures. Yeah, they um yeah yeah that that was definitely mentioned. But um, and then in, in the subsequent like the comic books, popular again after <laughs> after the Killing Jokes. Oh, very oh, obviously gotcha. laying pipe. No, I think it was um. I think it was the it was the comic books that came after the DCAU comic books that came after where they um, basically had a whole thing where Barbara got pregnant by Bruce. Oh, okay. And then she and then she wound up uh, having a miscarriage or something. That would be fitting because she was in a fight. Yeah, it was pretty rough. It's pretty dark, but uh, sounds like a good story. A little though. weird. I've never been a even in this show. I've never been a proponent of of, of Batman and Barbara. It was just weird. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I, I've. I, I can ship Dick and Barbara all day, but yeah, never been huge on mm-hmm. Bruce and Barbara. Yeah, of course it does make sense. It makes sense emotionally if you're working along something somebody that long, and you can't really talk to anybody about it but that person. And, sure, I you know I mean Dick's already kind of gone off to his own city, and then that would further the 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 uh, the issues between Dick and Bruce. Yeah, sure. Okay. Mm. I'm just saying I don't feel comfortable with it. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> 
Perchance to Dream, you knew this was going to be on there. <laughs> uh, written by Lauren Bright and Michael Reeves, directed by Boyd Kirkland. Bruce Wayne wakes up one morning to find that his life is completely upside down. His parents are alive, the Batcave does not exist, Alfred does not remember Robin, and he is engaged to Selina Kyle. However, it doesn't mean that Batman isn't still around, and Bruce starts to wonder what has happened, especially after seeing the characters, uh, characteristics of a dream, such as book and newspaper, newspaper prints not making sense inside of this new life. Um, this is something I pulled off of the uh, Wikia that I found interesting, and I had never really considered it before. I wish I had, because that would mean I'm smarter than I am. Mm. Uh, it says, the title comes from a line in the famous To Be or Not To Be soliloquy from the play Hamlet, I did know that, <laughs> in which Prince Hamlet debates, him, <laughs> debates with himself whether or not to commit suicide, or to face the cruel travails of the world, and specifically the task of avenging his dead father, which has been put before him. This is a subtle but intriguing parallel not only to the story of the episode itself, but to the story of Batman in general. Also, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman in the series, appears in a number of Shakespeare plays during the 80s before being cast on the show. Um, okay, but, but yeah, so the, many people um, did. And I, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the parallel, the parallel of the story I had not thought about before, and that's really neat. Um, I like the idea that, Bat- yeah. that Bruce can't accept a nice and good life because he's Batman. You know what I mean? Like, it's like he's trying to accept the the facade as opposed to what he knows is real. Yeah. Like, even with a, you know, you would think, you know, he would be able to be like, yeah, you know what? I'll take my parents being alive. So what? I can't read a book. But <laughs> <laughs> give it a decade, it won't matter. Yeah. Um, no, that's, yeah, like a lot of people... I don't know. I, I I think it's just uh, extremely relatable. Like you would like to think that you would know if reality just folded in on itself. Uh huh. But um, and, and in his case, it's it's hard to watch him make that decision because you know how much he wants yeah. to stay there. Like it, it, everyone's had some experience that was traumatic enough that like if you have a dream where you're back in that honeymoon period before it all went wrong, you you feel good about it for a second, and then yeah. you maybe wake up immediately after that and think, oh. And it kind of go through it all again, almost, mm-hmm. and even have some like sense of shame and regret about it, which I assume he did in the episode. But uh, yeah, it's 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 yeah. rough to watch him go through. Yeah, uh, and you know the the showdown between Bruce and Batman on the on the Watchtower uh, at the um, at the very end is is probably one of my favorite scenes of the animated series. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have Batman unmasked and this revealed to be the Mad Hatter, and um, just, uh, I love Roddy McDowell so much. Yeah, I just he did do. a great job. He's amazing. Um, but, you know, the, uh, ah, you the dreamer or merely a part of someone's dream? Mm-hmm. That was just the question Tweedledee put to Allison through the looking. This isn't some silly storybook. Ah, but it is. It's a beautiful story. You have love, wealth, a family, all you ever wanted. Your own private wonderland. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, I, he's about to jump over the thing. You know, you don't want to do anything foolish. This isn't an ordinary dream. What if you're wrong? Then I'll see you in your nightmares. <laughs> ah! Fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Fantastic. And then that bit at the end where, like, Gordon's holding the, the, <laughs> the Mad Hatter's dream machine. He's like, something for the lab boys to play with. Any idea what it is? And Batman says, yes. The stuff that dreams are made of. Yeah. Uh, with like a sad, wistful look. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, it's like it's like noir camp, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely enough subtlety in there, and 
Yeah, even even with a the camp, there's enough subtlety in there to. Mm-hmm. It it it's got a lot of feels. It just does. Yeah. Uh, so uh, number uh, two, it's never too late. Teleplay by Garen Wolf, written by Tom Ruger and uh, directed by Boyd Kirkland. Uh, a mob war between crime bosses Rupert Thorne and Arnold Stromwell <laughs> is nearing its end and comes to a climax when Stromwell is set up to be killed in an exploding restaurant by Thorne. Batman saves him at the last moment, and aided by Stromwell's brother, now a priest who lost his leg years before an accident for which Stromwell carries a secret guilt, tries to persuade him to give up his life of crime and help the police bring Thorne down by testifying against him. I don't have quotes for this. This is one of the most heart-wrenching episodes. We flash, keep flashing back to uh, Arnold Stromwell as a kid, with his brother Mike, mm-hmm. Arnie is a Arnie is a bad kid. He steals. Uh, he's playing on the train tracks. You know, Mike is talking to him, telling him, you know, he shouldn't steal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and of course, Mike winds up uh, saving his brother uh, from an oncoming train and loses his leg. And uh, they grew up on two different paths: Stromwell becoming the top crime boss in Gotham, and his brother Mike becoming a priest mm-hmm. and it's just it's just heart-wrenching like at the same time as all this is going on he's looking for his kid and he believes that thorn like stromwell believes that thorn has taken his kid and you know come on arnie you know i don't mess with family um <laughs> <laughs> and you know batman sort of takes him around and shows him like bring winds him uh, winds up bringing him to a rehabilitation clinic and uh where his ex-wife is and she says you know he's been here he's sick he's trying to recover from the drugs he got hooked on the drugs that you're pushing just watching Stromwell crumble emotionally under the weight of the tower of sin he's created for himself right is fantastic um and I, I very specifically say tower of sin because of the allusions to the to the priest Mike his brother and uh going how he you know Mike is trying to get him down the right path and Mike even tells uh talking Batman tower of Babel kind of allusions no, not oh, really. Okay. I'm just saying, you know, um, Strongwell has built himself a, 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 a he's built himself a, a tower, a, a a castle of 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 sin, of ill will, of you know, pushing drugs and running guns and and all sorts of terrible things. Mm-hmm. That's wound up costing him his marriage and his son. Um, it, it's pretty rough, man. And you know, the, the whole time, you know, you've got his brother Mike who even tells Batman, there's a soul I wish I could give up on. And Batman's yeah. like, you don't believe, you don't believe that, you know? Um, and at the end, you know, Stromwell, uh, begs forgiveness from, from Mikey and tells him that he'll make a, make the statement. Um, and therein, from that point on in the show, Stromwell isn't, isn't there. He's, he's not, a, he's not a big boss. A he's gone. Yeah. Um, that that uh, that episode always struck a real chord with me. It wasn't about gaudy villains. It wasn't about you know comic book shenanery. It was yeah. No, there's definitely a theme in this top ten of like extraordinary versus ordinary, and this is another great example. So what it, it, on the one hand, the the criticism of it as a top ten pick, and especially a number two, would be it's not mm-hmm. a very Batman centric episode. Except it is, but in, that's in yeah. The the rebuttal is that no, this is what happens to actual people in mm-hmm. a world where they have to face Batman as uh, 
you know, a, this idyllic representation of justice. Yeah, I saw someone uh, with this episode mention that he was that there were like illusion. It may have been on the wikia uh, mentioned that it was like um, a Christmas Carol, how Batman was kind of playing the different ghosts, taking that's, him to different parts of his life or something. That's actually fair. Yeah, um, I wouldn't go that far necessarily. It's kind of fun to think about, but there's, uh, there's, some, <laughs> there's something. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, this this episode just always gets me, always makes me cry. Just like to see the the great Arnold Stromwell be brought down by, uh, by his own machinations, right? And finally do the right thing. I don't know. It always gets me. Yeah. All right. So uh, number one, almost got him. Written by yeah. Paul Dini. Paul Dini directed by. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Eric Radomski, uh, Radomski, I don't know, but synopsis, the Joker, Killer Croc, the Penguin, Two-Face, and Poison Ivy all meet at a poker table, each telling a tale of times when they almost defeated Batman. At the same time, Harley Quinn is about to kill Catwoman after she rescued Batman from the Joker's electric chair, and Batman must save her. Alright, so, this episode is a rare look at, like, interplay between villains. I love this. Their criticism of each other and their methods are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun anthology episode. It's whimsical as hell. It has a twist ending. And there are so many different ways to get someone. <laughs> you could throw a rock, for instance. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this right here is off the uh, the wiki. Uh, uh, every time the viewer gets to see Two-Face's hand, he, ha- he always has two deuces and two face cards. A play on his name. In one shot, he also has a four, two times two, and is seen pouring half and half in his coffee. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Um, I remember the Joker's and the aces. Yeah. The Joker's hand at the end is four aces and a Joker. Every time we see his hand, he always has at least one ace due to cheating. He also <laughs> cheats by looking at Two-Face's hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, the Joker cracks a joke at Poison Ivy about her use her use of exploding pumpkins. Ironically, two years after this episode, Mark Hamill, who voices Joker, would voice the Hobgoblin in the 1994 series Spider-Man, playing a supervillain who utilizes exploding pumpkins. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> um, a lot of great quotes in this episode. It's not a it's not a, an especially deep episode. It's really not. No, it's, it's just, not like it's there, so much an emotional uh, gauntlet to get up to this episode in this top ten. This uh-huh. one isn't that. This one's just. A lot of damn fun. It is. Uh, a lot of great quotes. Uh, Poison Ivy says, It's been a long time, Harvey. You're still looking halfway decent. <laughs> <laughs> and Two-Face says, Half of me wants to strangle you. And she says, And what does the other half want? And he says, To hit you with a truck. And Poison <laughs> Ivy go, looks over at Joker and Penguin and goes, We used to date. And they go, Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh Joker has uh... a <laughs> Joker's just funny, man. I love I love the Joker in this show so much. Hamill is my Joker. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we each have an almost got him Batman story. I know mine's the best, but let's hear yours anyway. I'd say ladies first, but since we don't have any, <laughs> we'll start with you, Pam. <laughs> uh, great line from Poison Ivy in this episode. I have this natural immunity to poisons, toxins, the pain and suffering of others. Go figure. <laughs> nice. Um, a lot of great uh, two puns here. Two-Face says, if I hadn't, if it hadn't been for this blasted coin, I would have got him. 
Joker says, gee, that's too bad, Harv. But I guess you'll always come in second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of course, the uh, Killer Croc. There I was, holed up in this quarry, when Batman came nosing around. He was getting closer, closer, and I threw a rock at him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... Penguin, I find your petty machinations mildly diverting, but for sheer criminal genius, none surpasses my latest ornithologically inspired entoilment. Smaller words, please, you're losing croc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great bit with Harley to Catwoman. I had a kitty once. You know, they don't always land on their feet. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. of course, there's a great bit at the end where they kind of throw it on throw the idea on his head a little bit and Catwoman says thanks for coming for for me Batman says I owed you Catwoman says I'd like to think our relationship isn't just restricted to saving each other each other from freaks and weirdos and that maybe we'd have a place for each other without Gotham without the freaks maybe without masks she leans forward to kiss him and then she gets distracted and Batman swings away and she goes huh almost got him yeah Nice little, you know, furtherance of their relationship that was fun. Yeah. Um, and it did take it from uh, a, uh, let's compare, you know, tales of the fish we caught story to something, you know, kind of cute. Yeah. And a yeah. little realish in the, in, you know, in the in the series. Not yeah. the first and, time um, they were flirty. You know, Joker keeps saying that there's, there's so many different ways to get someone. And um, his little plan about... Uh, grinding Catwoman up to make her into cat food. <laughs> That's just sick, man. Sounds right for him, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, he'd, he'd feed it too much upside-down fish. <laughs> Start the entire process uh, over again. Alright, so uh, you want to get to Arnold honorable, honorable mentions? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, uh, honorable mentions here in, in no specific order. Christmas with the Joker... It was close, man. I I love the bit where he's like got Summer Gleason, and she's like, "But that, but my grandmother's on that train," and he's and he just makes a few jokes, and she cries. Yeah, like that was rough, but um, I I, I love that episode, but um, yeah, it just it barely didn't make it. I understand. Beware the gray ghost. Uh, Adam West, I wanted it to be there. I I love the bit about watching the gray ghost with the father. Yeah, with Thomas Wayne. But, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it just it. Oof. It's a it's a really tough one. <laughs> if uh, if there's any reason to leave it off, it might be because it's it's kind of uh, sister story mm. on Brave and the Bold. Mm, okay, is maybe the top ten over there. Yeah, maybe so. That might be a decent reason to leave it off here. Is just because it's got good market share. Yeah, um, feet of clay. The first Clayface, the Clayface origin story. Um, Scarring, honestly. Scarring, really disturbing, and beautifully animated, but overall, I felt like there wasn't enough, uh, you know, there wasn't enough sympathy for Clayface. I think, yeah, like, no, he, he just was... enjoyed being evil a little too damn much for me to really feel it. <laughs> yeah, him. like part part two definitely gets. Yeah, part two, I agree. Part one was horrifying yeah. for many reasons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like the it way he rubs it, it into his face, and it 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 like visually yeah. it was disturbing as a child just just panning away and seeing the silhouette of them pouring it down his throat right and, and he, drowning he, him in and it. hearing the kind of sounds behind it, it was 
it was rough, man. I mean, that was. Uh-huh. I think I grew up a little bit watching that episode. Yeah. Um, Harley and Ivy, a fun romp of an episode, and great to see Harley get away from the Joker and Pam kind of be like, you know, he's a dick. You, you really need to stop being around that guy. Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of good stuff in that episode, and I love the ending where you know they they get away from Joker and Batman, and <laughs> Ivy yells out, "No man can take us down!" And of course, Lieutenant Montoya takes him down. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, good I enjoyed that, and of course, it set the precedent for all further Harley and Ivy uh, occurrences throughout fandom and the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was a tough one to come to get off. Uh, to take off of the top ten, his silicone soul. Um, it's a sequel to the Heart of Steel episodes where uh, Hardak had created a <laughs> robot version of Bruce Wayne and uh, slash Batman, and they the somewhere in the at some point he gets out and uh, shows up at Wayne Manor with his electronic guts hanging out and doesn't know what's happened to him. Right. Um, some really heart wrenching scenes where he, where Silicone Batman goes to see uh, Rossum, and just doesn't understand how he could possibly be a robot because he has all these like all these memories and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, but do you remember your first kiss? Do you remember your third birthday? You have data. You have facts. You don't remember anything. Uh, it's just hard." The thing I really and, empathized with that is like, no, I don't necessarily remember my third birthday. <laughs> yeah but i don't even remember if that's actually what he said is that what he said i don't even know but... I, don't, I don't know it's just it's the kind of like i i like i remember what you're saying like he he says like how much can how much of the story can you fill out and i yeah i i don't know how much my story i can fill out for damn sake i like it it's it's scary but you know he kind of goes do bad and he yeah he kind of he can't he can't handle it. He kind of goes after Batman. Yeah. Um, he thinks he's killed Batman, and then that bit at the end where he's like, what have I done? I've taken a life. And he kills himself. Mm. And and then, you know, Batman is just like, you know, could it be he had a soul, Alfred? I don't know. I, I always, I, I love, this is a sci-fi fan in me. I always love when robots get a little too close to humanity. And yeah, that question I mean, I've has to be asked. And- I mean, it's it's a theme that's been hanging around for a long time. But yeah, like you know, some Twilight Zone, some Outer Limits. I've seen a couple episodes of each of those. Oh that yeah, address yeah. the issue fantastically, obviously, and this one did well. Yeah, uh, House and Garden, rough episode. Yeah, it's you know it's a fine episode. It's also it's pretty charming. There's some uh, big plant creatures taking down people and kidnapping and shit, and and Batman is all the time checking out Poison Ivy and she's got this family and seems pretty nice and even fools him into thinking that maybe she's okay until Robin kind of goes, wait, something's wrong. Uh, Chris and Kelly are girls. Her kids are supposed to be girls. And they go back. She's growing her husband and her kids. And And they expire. Disturbing as hell. She's like growing them from these plant pods. Yeah. Um, But... The real kicker is that the the last bit of the end, she disappears and they can't find her, and uh, and Bruce mentions that you know she had him fooled, and we see her on the on a plane and she's looking at a picture of her family that she's now lost. Well, he and says crying. like uh, she he says like she had me fooled. I I think she actually wanted like I thought she actually wanted to change or something. And then you go back to mm-hmm. her on a plane looking at family photographs and just you 
just before the episode ends, you just see like tears welling up in her eyes, and uh, it's that's yeah, that's rough, man. It, that was yeah. that was good. It was like she wanted normalcy, but she wanted it on her own terms. And yeah, she she was still you know poison ivy, but there there was a part of her that was really affected. I don't know. It it, it was rough, and it was like it was. It, they did a great job of him dropping in on her and kind of rooting for a decision and then like him being a little heartbroken too it was it was good yeah yeah like the um the the harley episode where it's very similar has one of my favorite lines in it where like Mm -hmm. harley you know harley gets out and she has her she has her whole adventure and she wants to she, she wants to be good but you know the every time she goes somewhere she's harley and and she's just becomes the villain and then she accepts like if that's who you want me to be i'll be anyway she ends up back but there's like this moment where uh, you know, she she just wanted to legitimately buy a dress, and then that's the the catalytic moment that sends her back into villainy. And you know he just shows up mm. with with the dress, and um, you know gifts it to her as she's being taken back to her cell, and says like I had a bad day too once. Yeah, that line freaking crushes me every time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That almost made it to the honorable mentions. <laughs> Yeah, I could see it. Um, all right, so the next honorable mention is Legends of the Dark Knight. Uh, it's uh, the kids walking around talking about their what they believe Batman to be like. Uh, one kid thinks it's like the Dick, the old Dick Spring books, and they kind of do a really very cartoony, ridiculous version of that with giant typewriters. And then like the girl is suddenly becomes Carrie uh, Kelly and talks about the Dark Knight Returns. Sure. And um, in between there, there's like a kid who's who looks like Joel Schumacher, and he has on like a pink feather boa, and he's like, "Are you guys talking about Batman? I love Batman, with that like <laughs> hard bolted rubber and driving his car up up, up buildings and stuff." Right. And they were like, "Get real, Joel." Um, the reason it doesn't make it to the top ten, honestly, is because the last segment is so underwhelming when they actually when they actually come into contact with Batman and he's fighting uh firefly i'm like first of all why firefly because lame um <laughs> yeah and it's just and you and you know if you guys want to like you know harsh on me for it uh you can just go and listen to the dvd commentary because <laughs> the creators have the same problem with the episode <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's nice take that uh but yeah otherwise it'd be a fantastic episode to throw on the top 10 uh one that i I, I didn't add to the top ten for very uh, for a very petty reason. Mad Love, fantastic episode that shows just how sick Joker and Harley's relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic origin story for Harley Quinn, uh, showing how how sick and manipulative Joker is. Mm-hmm. And um, I just couldn't put it on there because I can't stand looking at that design of of the Joker. Oh, the bug design. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I hard. Just, it's hard to deal with. I understand. I hate that design of the Joker. I hate that they used that design for that episode. I love the comic dearly. I have a T-shirt with a comic book cover on it. Yeah, but I I that that episode, while it was a fantastic episode, the Joker just looks awful. Can't do it. He does. It's it's hard to deal with later. But yeah. it does have I mean, the like changed uh, it later. <laughs> how does that line? How's that line go? Uh, she got closer than you ever did. Yeah, pudding. <laughs> one of yep. the great examples of batman actually telling a joke 
for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so um, I actually won't spoil this one, but Judgment Day uh, was one of the new Batman adventures, uh, just like Mad Love was, and it was it was a pretty fitting and it was a fitting and satisfactory satisfactory and chilling haunting uh into the two-face arc over the course of the series and uh pretty fantastic and i wanted to put it in the top 10 i just couldn't do it i understand i don't i don't have a specific reason i really don't i just i basically just had to weigh my options and and pull it off yeah um if if it's just down to real estate two-faces you know, two-parter was yeah, mm-hmm. slightly more top ten favorite. Yeah, worthy. yeah. And I think you know it had it. It was a strong story, but I think uh, it may have been. It may have should have been a two-parter. And also, I just don't. It was hard for me to put any of the new Adventures of Batman on because I disliked the the animation quality. Aesthetically, it changed a ton. That, yeah, that's, that's it became a real so thing. simplistic. Yeah. Um. Lastly, though, uh, Harlequinade from the original animated series, and uh, that was another tough one to take off. Uh, Harley helping Batman find Joker with his atomic bomb. Her realization, uh, thanks to Dick, that they wouldn't have had time to co- Joker wouldn't have had time to swing by Ar- Arkham and pick up uh, Harley or any of their friends. Who, of course, I mean, of course, J- uh, Joker wasn't going to go and do that. But right, um, and then of course she turns on the Joker. It was uh, one of those big, like, uh, turning points for Harley as a character. Um, I think it set in motion something that's been happening for, what, 22, 23 years now? I mean... I guess so, yeah. It, like, she's uh, kind of been independent for a long time. And it, whereas, like, she she really did just start as a henchman. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of the episodes that started to kind of galvanize her as a, an independent character. And people started really yeah. rooting for her. I mean, she does she does go back to him at the end of the episode. Yeah, but you start to see where it could lead. I mean, we're yeah. talking about a person who they've rebooted the you know the actual comics franchise twice now, and she's still got a she's still got her own title. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't she? She's more popular than the Joker now. Yeah, um, <laughs> she just is. Yeah. I mean, she wandered into anti-hero land, which is way more marketable than just, you know. Yeah. He can't do that. <laughs> so what about you, man? Did you have any, any things that, anything that I didn't mention that you just, you had a real, the Lord laid on your heart, I guess? I don't know. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, there's some, like, there's some moments I remember, but it's, it's a good list. I mean, uh, yeah. like, uh, the... As far as moments go, like the Killer Croc episode where he's dealing with the Soul Boy. Yeah, yeah, the freak show. Yeah, the, freak in show. In the woods there. Yeah, yeah. that was good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it just... Harley's little adventure. Really enjoyed that. Um, I, I don't know how much I would add to it. Or, I, I, or take away. It's, again, like, yeah. you could grab any 40 of the best and call it a, a top 10 and another honorable mention 10, and I would probably be pretty okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all stuff like the forgotten. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> Bruce Wayne doesn't remember he's Bruce Wayne and he's in a canyon somewhere right. on a chain gang. What the hell was that episode? <laughs> or like, oh, actually, uh, good episode to back you up on. Just Bugface Joker just wasn't enough. Like Joker's Millions, I really loved Joker's Millions. Yeah, 
But that bug face oh, I'll tell you is one. so distracting. Yeah, I'll tell you one that didn't even uh, it didn't even make the top. It didn't even make the top twenty because of bug face Joker. Uh-huh. Old wounds oh, from the okay. new Batman Adventures, where Tim and and Dick are talking to each other mm-hmm. uh, about you know what Batman did to like make Dick so angry with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that one probably would have been one that I would have put on, but I just I hate bug face Joker, and you know obviously like I didn't feel like it hit as hard as you know some of the others, so. I don't know, man. I mean... Yeah. They started to simplify the animation. It was really distracting at some point. But, I mean, I understand how yeah. it happened, but... Oh, yeah, sure. They were... The, I mean, the, the black, black, that black paper was killing people. Yeah. They said. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand. It was rough, but... Uh... All right. Um, Got anything else? Yeah. Cool. I think we're going to wrap it up then, guys. Uh, What did you guys think of the top ten? Send us your top ten. What do you think? How'd you feel? Please Happy, don't kill us. Sad. What? <laughs> no, do tell us. Come. Twitter. No, please Facebook. don't kill us. Oh, don't kill us. I thought yeah. you said, please don't tell us. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we tweet at DC on screen. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, and you can uh, absolutely send us a voicemail, 205-259-6331. And uh, let us know if you like this episode. We may do another one. We might do a, a Superman animated series or a Batman Beyond or something. Maybe a top five on those. (laughs) (laughs) Beyond's probably worth at least seven. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think there was much to go on with Superman the other day, and we were talking, and I just started, like, naming shit off the top of my head, like, oh, that was a good one. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, man, that one. And I was like, damn it, I think I have a top 20 at least for Superman. No, don't do that to yourself. It's probably worth five, beyond seven to ten. I could probably do ten, definitely. I mean, I can do three right now. Anyway. Yeah. It's all thing. Anyway. If you guys want to hear that, let us know, and uh, we'll probably do it anyway, even if you don't say it, but uh, we'll do it, because <laughs> that's how we roll. That's the spirit. And uh, you know what? We, uh, If you like our show and you really want to hear more from us, it would be really awesome if you went over to iTunes and left us a review, left us a good rating and review. Obviously. If you if you, if you you dig it. So anyway, we're going to take off. We, uh, we'll be back for our weekly show. So uh, until then. Keep some DC on your screen. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David Z. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band Future Elevators can be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Eli Ophelders of Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud and can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We're a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network, giantsizeteamup.com. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy and improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. <laughs>